Welcome to Value Through Vulnerability. This is a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity, and I'm your host, Gary Turner. I'm also the founder of HexoChange, and HexoChange is a transformational change practice dedicated to helping you connect to yourself, to others, and to systems at large in a more meaningful way, thus helping us turn around our workplace and planetary challenges and accelerating how alive we all feel in every aspect of our lives. This track is called Kaleidoscope and was created for me personally and for HexoChange by Peter Griffiths, one half of the amazing Mind Takeaway. I hope you enjoy this exploration and please do share it on your social platforms so we can bring more humanity to more people. Hope to speak to you soon. Welcome to Value Through Vulnerability. This is a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity. We're boosted by Humans First. We have founder of Humans First, Mike McCanty, with us today, and a pretty awesome human in Joanne Lockwood, who's founder of Sea Change Happen. Also the True Inclusion event, which is coming up in a couple of weeks, and just a really cool human being. So welcome to the podcast, Joe. Hi, Gary. Hi, Mike. Great to be here. Thank you so much for coming along, Joe. So after sort of politely stalking you for a couple of months. I found you at Katrina's um, book launch and here we are, we have you on the podcast finally. <laughs> yes, that was, that was a fun evening, wasn't it? I really enjoyed that. I mean, I think we both shared the same challenges of finding the entrance to the way in that night. Um, and then we, we were probably so busy networking with each other and everybody else, we probably didn't really have a chance to connect, did we? We I remember we caught up in London a couple of weeks, well, probably about a month ago before lockdown, wasn't it? Where we, we, we told the story to each other. We went, oh yeah, I remember, yeah. It's, <laughs> Passing ships, absolutely yeah. brilliant. Well, look, as we get going, would you mind for our uh, listeners today, Joe, just give a little bit of a, a lowdown. So, you know, see change happen. What are you all about? What difference are you trying to make in the world? It'd be really great to learn a bit more about you today. Yeah, sure. Uh, without giving you too much of an in-depth of who I am, I, I, I started my career as an IT consultant back in the late 80s, back when being young and gifted in terms of technology was a real advantage. So I was involved with the early PCs. Uh, so I self-taught computer networking, and eventually I, I went on to form my own business, having worked for Coots Bank and a number of other global organizations, uh, having had some great fun. I started my own business in the late 90s, supporting small businesses in the UK, in the south of England. But after, I guess, the best part of 20-odd years in that, in that sort of running my own business, I, I kind of got tired with it. Things were going different in my life. And I decided about three and a bit years ago that I needed to make a change. So I made not only a, a change of career, I also took the opportunity to gender transition at the same point. Uh, so some people say it's crazy at 50, 52 years old, junking your entire life career and starting something new. But I also junked my entire life gender and started something new as well. So couple that with the challenges around family and all the other things. It was kind of a bit of a disruption in early 2017. Um, my, so I came out of that with a passion and my passion was around inclusion, around belonging, around trying to make the better place for mainly at the time, people like myself, trans people to thrive, knowing full well the level of discrimination, the level of um, humiliation, marginalization that trans people face or still do face on a daily basis. I wanted to try and inject some positivity into the world around that. And I think as, as that role expanded, as I got to know the world more around the HR space, the DNI space, I realized that it's not just about me. It's not just about people like me. It's about people like everybody. Everybody has a need to feel greater belonging, 
create an environment where people thrive around inclusion, culture, leadership. Uh, so that's why I've probably the last 18 months I've expanded in my thinking and to try and be more inclusive for all people. So now I, I speak up on stage, I speak at conferences. Uh, I say the U Europe, UK, Europe and elsewhere. Elsewhere, I was in Melbourne last year, San Francisco, Kiev, Tallinn, uh, Amsterdam, Lisbon, so a whole of countries around the world. Uh, running, doing keynotes, running workshops, uh, on panels and being interviewed. So lots of this kind of stuff, really. And trying to spread the positivity about humanity, so, which is, again, perfectly aligned with this, this chat today. I love that so much, Joe. And thank you as well for that. You know, as someone that is from the, to use the traditional language dominant group right now, I love the fact how you took it from that, yes, absolutely passionate about making sure that, you know, trans inclusion doesn't become a thing in the end because we're just humans. And how you're really, you know, you've elevated your thinking around that. And it is, we are all human. And how do we, and I think right now, I love to bring Mike in. Like what I'm finding fascinating, Joe, is like the beliefs, the belief structures we've all held onto or believed for generations are suddenly all up for grabs. Yeah, this COVID thing, if nothing else is like, do we need to hold on to that belief that trans is different to Gary and Mike or that someone that's black is different to someone that comes from Nicaragua? And I just think, we've got an opportunity, I feel, to really rebuild from the ground up what we think we need to believe going forward post-crisis. I don't know if that resonates with you or if you challenge that. Yeah, completely. I, I think we've, we've grown up in a world where there's a lot of can't, but we don't do it that way. We can't do it that, or, well, that's a bit tricky. Um, that won't work. And now suddenly, everything we couldn't do, we can. So, so I think the, the new level of what we can't do has changed completely. So we now start with reframing everything to we have to, we can, we've got to adapt. Uh, whatever's going to happen, we're not going back. Uh, there's going to be a lot of, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure by some people to want to push things back into the comfort zone, push things back to the way they were. But I think the people, you know, the, 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 the population, the, the collective of the staff, the, the culture is now knows that things are possible. So employers won't be able to just turn and say, well, no, we, we don't do flexible working. We are doing flexible working. We, we're now living in a world where employers don't own you nine to five. They own chunks of you and you fit in your work around your life, your family, what you can do. Being Having a disability, you're now working in your own space. You've already adapted your own workstation, your own environment, your own home to work for you. So the reasonable adjustment has already been done. So we're now leveling out. And maybe what we're looking now is the challenge we're having is people who are maybe more extrovert. The more people that like to hang around with people, they're struggling more. Whereas those were almost the most privileged people in the office. The bouncy, um, extroverty, chatty people always got the most attention. And the people that were quieter, wanted to work, work quietly, get on with stuff. They were kind of like, oh, they're, they're, they're kind of boring. They're, they're never going to go anywhere. But now we're looking at the dynamics change of who is more valuable. Someone with some IT skills, someone with, with a good desk, someone with a great broadband is actually a valuable resource now. And we're valuing people about what they've got in their home. Yeah. Um, and the mental health challenges are different. If you're working alone, you, you live on your own. That is now not, no, not a great place to be sometimes. And also, you've got a big family. The challenges of multiple generations, multiple conflicts around gender roles in the, in the home, um, and financial pressures have all changed. Uh, we've got what I would call once privileged business owners 
with staff. Um, bottom line, good profit, dividend payments, big houses, schools, cars, all this kind of stuff. And now wondering how they're going to be able to afford their mortgage. Their business is effectively crumbled or been put, put on hold. People who are coming up to retirement have been invested in a, a retirement lifestyle business and now seeing that disappear. So we've got all these people now who are now recently deprivileged, if that's a word, realizing what it's like now to, to not to have, to not to have certainty, to not have them, their life mapped out, which is where often people with less privilege have been all their lives. So we're now starting to have a greater appreciation for some of the challenges people might have, because now we're, we're in it together, apparently. We're all in it together, but we're, <laughs> some of us have bigger boats on our river. So, But yeah, I, th I think we need to, going back to what, the question, I think it is it is enabling a lot of change in the workplace, a lot of change in the way people get treated. But I think we need to recognize that not everyone's having the same experience. Mm -hmm. And just because it's easier for someone maybe with a disability, just because it's easier for someone to work from home, that's, we can't stereotype and generalize and say that works for everybody. So I think we could be very person-centric and, and address the mental health needs, the financial needs, and the capability that they have working from that home environment. I think that we conclude and just say that's the shortest podcast recording ever because you have clarified so many critical points in 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 one answer, one phrase. Joe, I mean, seriously, what what you just captured there is 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 really brilliant because it speaks to you know the the experience that everybody is having uniquely. And, and I love the way that you're able to, to frame that and, and bring everybody in, right? Create room for all um, the listeners to find themselves and their situation in there. And then draw greater appreciation for the other person's challenge and, and struggle, mm -hmm. right? And, um, you know, when you were talking about um, you said a bit of a disruption in 2017, just completely changing my career. So everything I'm doing and then, you know, um, gender transitioning. So everything that, that I, you know, was known for, not that you are, but we're known for. So yeah, a bit, bit, bit of, bit of a change. Right. Um, yeah. and then how you very quickly put that into the context of, I can do more with this. I can draw that to a greater purpose and help everyone because we're all going through some point of doubt or transition. And, and then at the very end of that extremely eloquent and, you know, very um, um, deep exploration of important topics. You also said that, that um, the curiosity, is is there and the um, the inclusion of everybody is sacrificing at some level right now the uncertainty is actually the great discomfort it's not the change that we have to make but it's the uncertainty of the outcome that i i think you just very eloquently stated the importance of that there was one other thing that struck me, and now I'm talking too much, Gary, also, but, but it was the, you know, um, Joe, as you were sharing, it was the, the all rise kind of thing was coming 
to me. And, and, you know, I, I love the phrase allow. I, I think that if we allow people to step into who they really are, they will bring so much more magic into um, every interaction, but then mm. into the lives of others. Um, as you're allowed to express and share and give really permission to so many to step into their unique self, find their unique mm. path, um, we get the best of everybody. Yeah. And I think so, this is some of the challenge that leaders have right now is because that we, we always recognize that not every leader has been trained or has the tools in their toolkit to be a great leader. And now we're asking these people who probably haven't had a lot of support to be great leaders in this new way of looking. So we've now got a whole workforce looking up, wanting inspiration, wanting direction, at the same time that they're vulnerable, they're going through the same challenges in their life and they're looking up to their leader saying, help me. And we pass this up the tree and often the further up you get, the more panicking or the more anxiety there is about income, bottom line, protecting the business, uh, lack of sales, and dealing with that kind of keep the show on the road sort of type, type worries. So there's a real disconnect. So people in maybe in the middle management of leadership aren't getting that support from the top. They're just trying to have to figure it out. And they're trying to motivate the staff without necessarily having the tools. So I think we need to give some you know, big ups in leadership here and recognize that, yes, I'm vulnerable too. I don't have all the answers. I'm doing my best. Can we help? And, and, and inject into time to leaders, even company owners. They're just not used to delivering this kind of emotional support to people. How, how are you doing? It's supposed to be a 30-second answer. I'm doing great. Yeah, I had a great weekend. How are you? Now it's a half-an-hour conversation. And, and the people aren't used to having that much knowledge about someone's struggles because we've always tried to detach ourselves, haven't we? And that's the reality is, how are you doing? Actually, I'm doing really badly. Okay, uh, what do I do now? <laughs> I'm not used to the answer. I'm not used to someone saying, oh, actually, it's a, it's a problem. And I think that's one of the things that leaders have learned is they now need to have a, more con a, a deeper connection with their teams and their people and know them as individuals rather than know them as just person A and person B. I'm just like, Mike, I understand why you you reflected as you did because it was beautiful to see you like digesting and internalizing what Joe said. Cause I've got a similar experience, like your succinctness, Joe, your clarity of the world you want to be the change in is so amazing to observe. And the thing that came up for me as you were just speaking was one, yes, these senior leaders in the spirit of this podcast need to be more vulnerable to say I'm struggling or I need help but they're not used to doing that. So that's one part like top down. And then you've got this weird paradox where actually, if they could develop that emotional vulnerability, the people below them want to help them. So you've got this weird gulf in the middle where both, like, I'd rather pivot it to the more horizontal than vertical. So even a more flatter structure, you've got a situation where there's this weird void in the middle where these people want to help, but these people are too invulnerable not to ask. Yeah. Like, do you see that in the work that you're doing? Uh, well, I, I think for sure that some people are naturally have more empathy, that they're more led by their heart, by their emotions. And these people here are often able to heal people who don't have that same level of empathy. And I think what leaders need to do, and this is not using gender stereotypes or gender bias here, but it's just recognize that some people ha generally have more 
maternal or paternal type instincts, more, more nurturing type traits that maybe didn't come out in their role, but, but are there and they can be leveraged. You know, these people can actually be a catalyst within the team, recognize that someone's got these traits, amplify them, give them a bigger role, say, look, person, well, this great team member here can can lead some of these discussions, can can do the Zoom calls, can, can do the check-ins for me. Can actually, I, actually, I could use them as a sounding board to check I'm, I'm, I, my pulse is right, my, my, te- my cadence is right. I, I get the mood of the people rather than say, I know the mood of the people, actually speak to the people. You know, we often think we often speak for people. And what we actually, you know, part of this is actually being so person-centric. We don't speak for people, we listen, we draw out those feelings. Um, in order to help everyone sort of like feel safe, feel respected. Uh, and I hear so many stories about people who've been furloughed, who've not had any conversation with their company. The, the, the company's hiding behind the fact, well, we're not allowed to talk to you because that the rules of furlough is you must you must not work. If I talk to you in a work context, you're working and that's not allowed. So people are almost hiding behind these, these rules that they've, you know, we, we create social constructs. We're now creating new social constructs to justify our behavior. So I think it's important we, we we look at all of our people, people in the office who are still working on the on, in their desk, people who've been furloughed, and people who are remote working. And this is different groups of people. And we've got people like the NHS, the logistics companies who are flat out, people who we who are minimum wage people who are I say having no respect, but they weren't amplified in the same way. Now we're looking at these people thinking these are the people keeping the country running. Have you have you seen the have you read the book? Um, Utopia for Realists by Bregman. One thing he describes is there's uh, is what's called bullshit jobs. These are people who don't actually produce anything. So in this context, there's a whole lot of people who are doing what he called bullshit jobs. They're adding no value to the country at the moment, but the people who actually produce, the people who actually keep things moving are the people we're now valuing. So society, we always valued the accountants, the, the traders, the people that made this stuff go around, not the people that actually did the that the actual um, value add to the product, created the product. I think that's what we're seeing now with this situation. So we're now seeing the flip. Who are the people in society who are adding value? So, so many big topics, Mike. I'd love to bring you in on this because I think I've, I've had a chat, because um, things from EJO that come up, and these are big systemic conversations. I like it mm. when we go this direction sometimes, is you know things like basic income, things like actually- Yeah, we- UBI. Yeah, UBI mm. is, is, yeah. Why it's, not? It's got to be, it's, yeah, as, you, as you say, why not? And what a great question. I love that. That's what we should all be asking. Yeah, so I invite you if you're listening. What in your life could you be saying why not to more often right now? I mean, I was, I, when I read uh, Rutger's book, it, it, it transpired. I mean, I found out that Richard Nixon, one of his big bills was UBI. And it didn't get through the Senate. But it was that close. It was it was basically that close to passing. And America could have had UBI with Richard Nixon. He would have been celebrated as in his generation. And I know that Sweden have, have been implementing and trialing in certain ways. And you could argue that we've got a level of UBI now with the furlough scheme, with the social support that must be put in. So let's expand that. And you know, it's not about <laughs> the thing I quote I love about Rucker when he said it, poor people doesn't mean that if you're poor it doesn't mean to say you, you don't know how to look after money you just don't have any money to look after rich people waste more money per second than poor people ever will so it's actually rich people that don't know how to manage their money not poor people if you, if you give someone without money money 
first thing they do is, is create an environment where they can succeed. And often they don't use all the money you give them. You give them sufficient to live on. And I think that's the important thing about UBI is making sure that people have this baseline of, of income. Then you can be entrepreneurial. Then you can think about your future. Then you can plan. But when if all you're worried about is now, how can you think about tomorrow? Yeah, what I what I love about the discussions when we um, when we go deep into exploring the the margins, right? I I, I think that's often missed because whatever wherever we are operating in our lives, there's always something um, beyond us from a wealth standpoint, or beyond us from a from a from a needs and and poor standpoint. And so whatever orbit we kind of seem to exist in, um, that is the one that we somehow deem normal. And we only project on what it would be like to, you know, have the, the bigger yacht or what it would be like to not even have shelter and know where the meal's coming from. Hmm. And um, the human element is we all experience uncertainty and insecurity um, and I think that, um, um, that, that, that trip through normal and normalization and equalization is maybe the largest myth that we actually portray. Mm. Um, so the equity, I think is, is, is a discussion certainly, but equal would be like, measuring the same and as soon as we try to measure against a same standard everybody's excluded um, which is why i just deplore and and despise the word normal mm. itself um, and when people say new normal i cringe because the old normal wasn't very good and i question if normal even exists and um, I prefer typical or more typical and less typical is kind of and I like best you can do. in inclusion yeah. is as soon as we say normal, I, I don't know if there's any more exclusive word than normal because it basically says anything not me. <laughs> yeah, I think also it's a privilege term mm -hmm. to, be able to be able to say normal is a privilege. If you don't have that privilege at all, then you've no idea out of the scope of your your own sphere of what you're doing. You don't have choice and a freedom. Uh, and one thing I, I was thinking about Russ Sleepers the other day, and uh, there was a news article, I think it was on TV last night or the night before, saying that one good thing that's coming out of this is there are less rough sleepers on the street because they're now all in hotels. But has this person with privilege who made that statement actually asked the rough sleepers would they rather be on the street with their family, with their friends, with their environment they love, or would they rather be stuck in isolation in a hotel room? Mm -hmm. So actually, we, we, we're now deciding for, for a rough sleeper that, that to fit our normal, they shouldn't live on the street. But we haven't actually asked the rough sleeper if that's their normal. We should be saying to the rough sleeper, actually, what would you rather have? They would probably say, well, I like to live on the street. What I'd rather have is better access to food and some warm shelter when I need it or some new clothes occasionally, but I'm quite happy living on the street with my family. 
So we've decided because normal to us is having a house, having an address, that's how they must want to be. Mm. So this again is, is privilege kicking in, deciding what normal should be for somebody else without asking them. And that's the challenge I think we've got to do is asking people, again, being very person-centric about this. You know, it's interesting. I love that so much because as, as I often say, and even kind of wrote in my book is um, we, when we, we get very confused about employee engagement and employee experience. And one of the things I say is if we actually ask the people what experience they're having, instead of measuring them against the one we're telling them to have, things would change dramatically. And I, I've just heard you express that so much better than I ever have. Um, so thank you for that. I just watch a, I, I crowdsourced my, my, my data from news media, written articles, medium, whatever, whatever channel I can get hold of. And then I try and step back and, and put this inclusion lens on it. I think, well, actually, let me just do a 360 or 180 on that. What's that person thinking based on what I perceive? And trying to get this, this perceptions, reorientating perceptions. Because we, we get locked into our own view of the world, don't we? In our own privilege, our own biases, our own lived experience. You must want what I want. And that's, that's sometimes how the media feeds it to us and creates this polarized clickbait mentality that they, they, they propagate sometimes. You know, as you're out doing this work, Joe, and you're in front of people often and having these dialogues, and you know, as Gary said, you speak so with such clarity and elegantly to it. Um, what is... What is the reaction from, is, is there more openness? Are you experiencing people with more curiosity or is, or is that rigid container still a barrier to breakthrough? Uh, I'd say the majority of conversations, interactions I have are very open, kind of exploratory, deep. I mean, like going now, we could probably talk all day like this. And the conversation just tumble and tumble and tumble and bounce. It's a bit like a pinball machine where the ideas just spark off everywhere. And sometimes I come across people who immediately want to shut it down, um, argue against intersectionality, argue against things. Uh, and I kind of, I've learned to kind of go, okay, fine. I, I, I can't, I, I can't engage in this fine. I want to engage with people who are open-minded, willing to go, I don't know. Let's have a talk about it. Let's explore. But since I find someone who I find almost wants to question me, I don't have answers. I've got questions. So don't come to me with, a, with an answer or one answer. Just to say, what do you think? I say, well, I think this, but I'm not right. I just have an opinion. And then we can get into this opinion discussion. And then we can try, try, start trying to figure out why your opinion is different to my opinion. Yeah. With, with real intelligent rhetoric, real intelligent discussion, rather than someone telling me or trying to persuade me that they're right. Yeah. I don't think you have to be right. You just have to be able to express yourselves and, and, share, and share that belief. If you like. Yo, honestly, I really do want another three hours with you. And Mike, seriously, <laughs> I, I think we've just got like we're scratching the surface here, seriously, because yeah, you know, I'll say it offline. I watched an incredible documentary. Um, do you know about David Icke, the conspiracy theorist? You know? Oh, the, the, the Coventry City goalkeeper. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the, commenta the, the football commentator, and then the born again Christian, and uh, and t and tin helmet wearing conspiracy theorist. Yeah. Do you know what's fascinating? So he was on a three-hour conversation with the London Real guy Brian Rose yesterday, and it's yeah. not my normal sort of thing. Where I'm going for this really sh 
I've, I've not had my lens, like you look at it and go like, this guy is actually bat, bat nuts crazy. But then you go, actually, no, you just described, let's actually lean in with an open mind and heart and just see where they go. It took them three hours, 10 minutes to get to the, the nub of their conversations. Conspiracy theory, COVID's not real, all sorts of really, and who knows, like it's a really amazing ex exploration. But what he said at three hours, 10 minutes of a three and a half hour conversation, it's all, if we make decisions from unconditional love, all of this goes away. Like, so the, the, sum, the summary message right at the end of this crazy exploration, whatever anyone gets out of it was, if we can come from a place of connection, compassion and love, everything is possible. Like, and it's yeah. just this moment of like clarity for me where like, I believe that I genuinely do. But when you've listened to three hours of quite challenging, random mm. stuff that I'm not used to hearing, and then it'd be finished with that. I'm still sitting in it, Joe, which is why I wanted to share it now. It's really fascinating. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that plays into something I talk about. Is it, do you remember at school when you were doing maths lessons and you were doing wee calculations and your sums? The rule was show your workings out. Because if you just show your answer and it's wrong, or it's not what the teacher thought it should be, you've got no evidence of how you got there. So what, I'm, what I try and say to people is don't just tell me what you think. Tell me how you got to the point or why you think. So if I can see your workings out, I may actually adjust my, my sum or my, my calculation based on some of your observations. Or I might go, actually, well, we have, we've, we've seen the same information. We've seen the same evidence. We've worked with the same planet. We speak the same language. But we have a different output. We have a different understanding of this problem. And now I can see how you got there. I can see how I got there. And it may well be that we've got some fundamental difference of opinion, which we're never going to resolve. But at least we could see each other's workings out and go, well, okay, yeah, fine. I don't get that. I don't get that. But at least we've got, we, come to, we can come to a different answer with the same result, if you like. And that's allowed. Just sensational, Joe, honestly. Um, I'm conscious of your time more than ours. Tell us a bit about true inclusion. What's, uh, tell us what's coming up with this event of yours in a couple of weeks' time, Joe. Well, True, uh, for those of you who haven't heard of True, it's, it's a, an unconference founded by a good friend of mine, a guy called Bill Borman, about 10 years ago. And it started off, he was at a conference somewhere in the world, and he found more people sitting under a tree talking to him, having conversations, than were actually in the, com in the conference itself. So he decided there was, there was a value into having these breakout conversation-type sessions. So True was founded, and it, it's, it's, the acronym is T-R-U, the Recruitment Unconference. That's where true comes from. And so I said to Bill a couple of years ago that it'd be really good, rather than having inclusion and DNI as a bolt-on, a part of true, I wanted to turn on its head, have inclusion at the heart and everything else bolting into that. Because when we talk to businesses about DNI, DNI should be the, be like the core of the business. It should, run, it should be run through everything, whether it's product design, marketing, customer service, everything should have an inclusion lens. So to have it, under talent acquisition, under equipment, seemed a bit alien to me. So I wanted to flip it, have it in the middle. So that's what I came up with. So I ran the first one last year in London. I had about 50 people, which I was really happy with at the time because it was just enough to have my, my very first event that I'd run on my own. So I was quite happy. I had 50 people, great feedback. And my plan was to run it again this year, about now. And I guess I had a choice, either keep kicking it down the, down the road Never, never quite happening, never quite happening, never quite happening. Or say, let's do it online. So I went, okay, let's do it online. So I shared it with a few people. 
They said, oh yeah, we want to do that, we want to do that, we want to do that. So then I realized that this could be global. So I called it the Global uh, Online Inclusion on Conference because I've got people from other work, all around the world coming. So this week I'm currently back to back with Zoom calls and people who want to host tracks, they want to get involved. I've got some sponsors uh, from HR, tech startups, all across Europe that want to talk to me to, to, to sponsor me. I spoke to some this morning and they've offered me a massive sponsorship. Well, I say massive, it's not tens of thousands, but it's in context of the event, it, it's a major sponsor. Uh, so I'm really positive that I've got 35, 40 people booked in already, uh, all paying. Uh, I think I mentioned to you before we started the show that I set the minimum price at a pound uh, with a suggested donation of 10 pounds because what I wanted people to actually consciously book into the event rather than just bump into it and click yes and, and then not show up. So by getting them to at least go to PayPal, donate a pound, at least they've got some, they've bought into it mentally. So that was kind of my aim. So yeah, it's going to be on the 19th of May, that's two weeks time as, as we record, 10 till 2.30 UK time. Uh, I'm going to host it in Zoom. My idea is to have four or five breakout rooms with around 20 people per breakout room. So 100 people is my, was my target. My problem that I've got at the moment is this could go bigger. This could be 250, maybe, who knows? So that's my challenge is how do I scale it past 100 and whether I can or whether I block it at, at, at 150 or whatever. But yeah, it's going to go ahead. Uh, I've got track leads coming in and I've got people booking in. So yeah, really positive. So that's that's true inclusion. It's focused on inclusion and the broad spectrum. So it's not about silos of diversity. It's about how we make people feel, how we allow people to thrive, how we engage with them, um, whether it's in leadership, whether it's in well-being, motivation, communications, whatever it may be. So the broad spectrum of diversity. You know, Joanne, what you've shared with us in this conversation, I think exemplifies so, so well what people can expect by jumping into true and uh, the level and the depth and the openness of those conversations. Uh, uh, just brilliant. Congratulations. I'm Thank pulling you. that together and you know, just sending huge well wishes because it's, it's important work. No, thank you. I appreciate that support. Yeah, I, I've signed up, but I've got a business meeting. I've currently, anyway, they might listen to this, but anyway, buggers. Um, but I have signed up from a support point of view. So no, that's uh, no, it'll, it'll be amazing. You'll be amazing. I've, I've hosted, I've, I've, I've deliberately built it as a dip in, dip out, pick and choose. So I'm not expecting anyone to sit down at 9.30 in the morning and finish at 2.30 in the afternoon. If you see a couple of tracks you want, sign up for the tracks. If you have to go and work around your family schedule or some other work schedule, then do it. It's, it's, it's not a, it's, it's virtual, it's online. You dip in and consume it as you want to do. The one rule is I'm not going to record it. So if you're not there, you're not there. It's, there's no sort of, there's no catch up. There's no chat mouse rules. You can't go and, we can't hear someone's thoughts a week later. It's live and that's it. Brilliant. Can, can I ask you a question, Joe? Um, yeah. In terms of what you've, what have you learned about yourself over the last several weeks as we've gone through this, this really unique time of our lives. I wonder if you've learned anything about yourself in terms of maybe how you've grown or how you've adapted. What, what, what's, how has it been for you? I've learned I'm more resilient than I thought I was. Uh, we used to have a term called bounce back ability. I think I've, I've discovered that I do have this resilience and this bounce back ability. I, I know I, I've learned over the last three years that I, I'm allowed to be vulnerable. I'm allowed not to be sure. Um, I also, I, I know I procrastinate a lot, but I, 
I don't see procrastination as a failure or a weakness. I see it as an opportunity for me to try different things. Um, I, I know that I will always deliver it in time and it'd be good enough. So it, it's, it's allowed me to do that. Uh, I've learned that I've got a huge, a huge amount of friends out there, uh, a great network of people who not only I can lean on, but I now know they can lean on me and I'm more than willing to share, to embrace and, and go the extra mile for people in the same way they will for me. So I feel really empowered around the network I've built and what I've been allowed to be part of. Um, I've learned that my IT skills are coming in useful <laughs> and that um, I, I often said to, I look forward to the day when I don't, I support myself, not anybody else. And having the ability to, I've also did a lot of photography and a lot of filmmaking, very amateur filmmaking with camcorders back in the, the 90s when you just had cartridges and things. And I've always been a photographer. So I appreciate light. I appreciate framing. Um, I get sound and mics. And I, I've got a very strong what I want myself to look like. So I've got a high standard of how I want to deliver as well. So I think bringing all that together, together I feel quite privileged that I have... Um, the ability to, to think, talk, speak um, on camera. I, I, I took part in a documentary with Channel 4. I don't know if I mentioned that to you before. No. But, uh, I, I took part in a three-year documentary with Channel 4. So I was used to being interviewed on camera, doing documentaries, lots of film sets, taking direction, walking in that restaurants five times, making sure you pick, take, pick the hand up with the right hand, walking with the same foot wear the same clothes. So I got very used to that being directed and managed and being on camera. So now being on camera, speaking on stage, being interviewed, it's kind of like, whatever, you know, <laughs> it's obviously, do you want the questions in advance? I said, nah, just, just ask me, you know, you can show me them if you like, but just ask me, let's just let it roll and see what happens. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, what have I learned about myself? Kind of that, I, I'm, I'm okay, I'm good enough, probably what I've learned. So powerful. Look, we're coming to the top of time. Mike, what's on your mind before I come back to Joe to ask her for an invitation for our guests? I just, you know, I just want to say thank you. And, and I look forward to more conversations. Um, mm. the, the, the empowerment, and I know that that word is, is challenged sometimes, but truly allowing people to, to step into um, what they envision for themselves. I just, not only do you embody that, but you know, you help us discover that roadmap for ourselves in, in, in embracing it and taking the next best action. So th thank you for being there for support and, and putting, you know, putting the information out, but also just exemplifying for each of us. Um, it, it's, it's that next step. It's what we do next and um, embrace that uncertainty. Mm -hmm. And I think that was just a gift you shared today. So thank you. Oh, thank you. That's sorry. Do you mind if I just come back on that? I, one thing I always said when I embarked on this a couple of years ago was, I went. I, I I didn't know where I was going. I had no sat nav, no map. I was wandering around these paths, and I was literally walking to a forest, not knowing where I was going to pop out. And at first, that sounds counterintuitive to every business book you get in the world. You must have a game plan. You know action coaches must look at me and go, I'm a nightmare because we, where's, where's the business plan? Where's the direction? Where's, where's, where are you going with this? My MVP is kind of like, I'm here. <laughs> so let's, let's, let's figure it out from here. So I don't want to be too defined, which allows me 
which is why I said I procrastinate a lot. It's not that I'm procrastinating. I'm just exploring loads of different thought processes and trying to trying to lock on to something that seems interesting. And I don't have this this urgency to acquire things. I don't know if there's a, I don't want to be the biggest, most profitable. I just want to be sustainably okay. And that's kind of my mission, just be okay, be sustainable, just keep being able to do what I do. And if that becomes more and more sustainable and sustainability goes up, great. But if it stays static, which is why I think in this, in this COVID climate, I don't feel like I've lost anything. I've just gained a whole load of new toys and new, new, new things I can explore and challenge my mind with. And that's kind of how I've, how I've taken it. But again, I, I do understand that's a privilege and some people don't have the luxury of being able to, to take a step back. They've got other pressures, but yeah, I, I, I'm lucky. You have used, and the thing I've, I've, I've learned about myself over the last 12 months, Joe, is that what you're doing, you acknowledge the, the privilege, you know, less barriers than maybe others have, but you're using it for good to lift others up. And I think that's what I take away from this conversation today. You've given so much insight. And what I'd love to invite you to do just before we head off now is you've given so much, you really have. But if you're going to leave our listeners with one key reflection or maybe an invitation, what would that be to them today as they finish this conversation? What do you want them to be thinking about as they go on with the rest of their day? It's a bit corny, but you, know, you, you are good enough. You, you, can, you can step backwards and choose a new way forward. You don't have, you're not predestined on your current path. So whatever isn't working for you, whatever's not right, you have the power to change yourself. You just have to decide that's what you want to do. So you don't have to say, you know, we talked about the new normal is the new normal and whatever that means. You don't have to do what you've always done. This is, if you want to treat this as an opportunity to make a life change, you can. You can. Seriously, you can. Powerful stuff. Joe, how can people find you? What's the best ways to get in contact? Um, uh, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. My, 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 so LinkedIn.com forward slash Joe Lockwood, J-O Lockwood. Um, if you Google my name, Joanne Lockwood, if you um, go to my website, which is cchangehappen.co.uk, and that's spelled S-double-E, changehappen.co.uk, uh, you'll be able to find all my social media contacts on there and my bio and all of what I do. Uh, but yeah, LinkedIn on my website is the best place to find me. You have been an absolute joy. And it's funny that it's taken us having a podcast conversation to catch up properly, but hey, that's the beauty of technology. Yeah, it's great to meet Mike as well for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah, you, Mike. Great to meet you. Thank yeah. you. We'll do this Here's again, going. I hope. Yeah, Thank you very much, Dave. Thank you. All the best. Yeah. Bye. Well, just another brilliant conversation. We are just so lucky here on this platform to, to have amazing guests willing to give up their time. Um, what did you take away from this conversation with Joanne today? I'd really appreciate it if you'd share with us on social media, or you can find my details, GaryTurner0 at Hotmail.com. That's Gary with two R's. Turner0, all one word, at Hotmail.com, or at Gary IP Catalyst on Twitter, or Gary Interpersonal Catalyst on LinkedIn. Um, I'd love to get your feedback, what's come up for you, what's challenged you, what's stretched your thinking, how are you thinking differently about something going on in your own life following this conversation. I'd absolutely love to hear from you. Please share the podcast, share Joe's great work. Um, she's doing some brilliant, brilliant work around the inclusion and belonging space. And I really want to get her, her voice amplified and do look out for that true inclusion event um, on the 19th of May as well.
Now, a few of my final takeaways before I let you go today. Thanks very much for joining us. Um, I really enjoyed it when Joe shared that rather than have DNI as a bolt on, she wanted to turn it on its head and put inclusion at the heart of everything else, which will then feed into that. Therefore, everything should have an inclusion lens. And again, back to where I started this conversation today. You know, innately we are included. So why do we keep trying to make um, inclusion a thing, as Joe says, a bolt-on, when actually it's our innate humanity? You know, we are all connected. We are all included before we thought create and make up these barriers and these practices that end up excluding people. It just, it really is, really does make my mind boggle. But we are where we are, and I love what Joe's doing here to actually recognise that if we can actually build events, build practices, build organisations where inclusion is at and belonging is actually at the heart of, and that word heart is important, the heart of literally, the pulsing heart of an organisation, um, I truly believe that a lot of the dysfunction will actually be, uh, yeah, it will dissipate, it just will. I also enjoyed hearing that uh, Joe talk about the fact that we recognize that not every leader has been trained or has the tools in their toolkit to be a great leader. And we now have a workforce looking up, wanting inspiration, wanting direction at the same time that they themselves are vulnerable. They're not used to delivering this type of emotional support to people. I want to just pick out that emotional support. You know, if we are not able to sit in, feel and let go of our emotions individually, but also particularly as leaders, we sure as heck aren't going to be able to hold that space for somebody else when they might need it. So my invitation to you is have a think about a time currently or recently where you haven't allowed yourself, you haven't allowed yourself to sit in an emotion. Maybe it's you was afraid. Maybe it was just too raw. It's too painful. What, what, how's that now feel today? Are you still holding on to it? Is it still bothering you? Are you suppressing it? I truly believe like emotional intelligence is one thing, you know, that's a sort of overarching theme, but the ability to feel, sit in and process and allow those emotions to go in the moment um, without having to force it. I have found personally in my life, particularly the last 18 months is incredibly freeing. And indeed like with vulnerability and courage and only other sort of aspects of that, it does invite other people to lean in to those areas when we're able to role model it. So have a little think about that. What are the emotions that maybe you're suppressing or emotions you're not allowing yourself to sit in? And what could your world look like if you allowed yourself to do that for yourself and for others? And finally, a little bit more of a systemic comment. I always love a UBI conversation. And Joe shared, you could argue that we've got a level of UBI that's universal or unconditional basic income now with the furlough scheme, with the social support that's been laid out. So let's expand that. If you are poor, it does not mean you do not know how to look after your money. If you've got any interest in the fact that I keep bringing up this unconditional basic income, it's something I keep learning about. I, I learned about it from Scott Santons, who was uh, Andrew Young's advisor on his run-up for presidency. Scott's now assisting somebody else. And I first found out about Scott due to Laurie Ruterman's Lex Speaks Work um, podcast. I'm really appreciative to Laurie and her work. You can find my conversation with Scott on episode 17, which is a good 12, 14 months ago now. Um, it really is a social practice of our time and I'd love for you to listen into that let us know what you think uh, but Joe's big into UBI I know Hung Lee's big into UBI you know it's something I can truly truly sense could help us particularly as we emerge from this current crisis so just a wonderful wonderful far-reaching you know mix of systemic personal leadership culture inclusion just really love this conversation today Joe's a wonderful human being do sign up for True Inclusion. We hope you enjoyed this conversation and we'd love to hear from you. All the very best.
really hoping that you enjoyed that exploration on the Value Through Vulnerability podcast. You can find out much more about HexoChange at hexochangenow.com. That's H-E-X-O-Change-Now, one word, dot com. You can subscribe to a weekly newsletter at that website, which includes information about live stream conversations, further service offerings, blogs, but also our in-person events, of which we have multiple each year. So I really hope that you'll join us. Do connect with me, Gary Turner, on LinkedIn, and I really hope to hear from you soon.